Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. After what feels like forever, we've got a victory to talk about this week and joining me to do so, Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? I am brilliant. As you say, it's going to be really good to talk about a win again, so I'm looking forward to this. Heather Holloway's here. Heather, are you well? Yeah, great. Thank you. As Rhys said, excited to talk about goals, clean sheets and a win. And rounding off our panel this week is David Forrest. David, how are you? Hello, I'm well. Um, yeah, I just want to say I was never in doubt on Saturday that we'd win. Um, I obviously always expected us to win. But um, yeah, it was great. And it is especially great just to get up Dick Campbell. So yeah. What did you predict last week, David? Uh, I think I predicted 2-1. You think, right, we'll listen back to the tape. So yeah, I, I can send you the pick. I'm pretty sure it was 2-1. <laughs> okay, so I think Jamie went, did Jamie go win? Did we all go win? Yeah, you all went win. Oh, like, the only person bad. who's ever predicted a loss is literally recent yeah. air. No one else so has done it. To be fair, that, I, predicted, I predicted one each. Did you predict one each, right? So <laughs> you're at a point behind again, Reese. Fair play. <laughs> we'll come to predictions for next week later. But we'll start, as we always do, with a look at... It's Saturday starting 11. Again, there were a few changes. I think there were four on Saturday. Aaron Muirhead returned from suspension and he replaced Akinola, who was suspended. Cole McKinnon came back into the team for Stuart Bannigan, who we believe was ill. And Aidan Fitzpatrick and Brian Graham came into the team for Danny Mullen and Dowds. It was a return to the, the 4-3-3 shape that we'd had a bit of success with at the start of the season. Reese, were you happy with the team when you saw it? You know, I was, to be honest, because we mentioned last week that we probably need something a bit different. Um, and obviously a massive boost to have Brian Graham back. Um, but I thought we'd, we probably just needed to go a bit more attacking. And I was happy to see Fitzpatrick come back into the team. Uh, and I know a lot gets said about Fitzpatrick since he's came back. People say it doesn't look like he sort of gives 100% and he can look quite lazy at times. But I thought if you if you looked at his performance at the weekend, it, it didn't quite come off for him much but the the runs that he was making off the ball was really good especially in the first half he made quite a quite a few good runs um which didn't really get picked up and and on one occasion it did but I, I was happy with the team in general of course sort of question marks over like Muirhead getting the captain's armband and whatnot but of course that was a, a straight swap that was always going to be made with Muirhead coming in for Akinola so oh no happy with the team. David you happy with the 11 on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, much like we talked before, like over the last couple of weeks, it's kind of been like when you're going into the the team sheet like, on the on the back of our quite poor run recently, you're just kind of looking for something different. And obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty when you're looking at it and going, "Oh, I was delighted with the team sheet because we won three 0 But um, it was good to see Graham back, Tiffany on the bench as well, and I say like Wallace and Fitzpatrick. I, I love seeing them together, and yeah, it just Muirhead coming in for Akinola, we've. No, talked a lot about Muirhead about how um, he's done really well for us. So yeah, I was perfectly happy with the team sheet. I thought it was the what what we needed. 
Heather Reese has mentioned there maybe some question marks about Adam Yohead getting the captain's armband straight back from suspension after the, the red card against Dundee a couple of weeks ago, which we spoke about. Was that a decision you were happy with? I think the last time I was on the podcast, I really slated him for the the red card and you know the, the what he did to, to gain it and how reckless and stupid it was. So for me, I was quite surprised that he was the captain. Yes, he's a leader. And yes, he is respected amongst the team. You can really hear him on the pitch. But to straight away be captain again and be the person that is representing our team, I did. it didn't sit too well with me, maybe as someone who's a primary teacher and, you know, I teach kindness and working together and not using your anger and aggression in that kind of way. I found that quite an odd choice from McCall, especially when I feel like there are other members in the team who could be captain. And obviously, like Stevie Lawless has been was captain at Dunfermline last season and um, has got a lot of experience. Maybe Brian Graham a little bit too much of a hothead. But then if that's the reason that Graham wouldn't get it for me, then I don't know how Muirhead's getting it as he is also a hothead. Uh, but I mean, he didn't do anything wrong in the performance to make me think that he didn't deserve it. But as that's you know, looking back, but I was quite shocked that he was the one holding the the mascot's hand and running out. Yeah, I think for me, we're obviously not privy to how that sort of disciplinary matters dealt with internally. It is a weird one, just the sort of aesthetics of the decision, if that's the sort of example that we're sort of setting as a club captain. It's not ideal, but at the same time, maybe giving your head the captain's armband and sh- showing him that McCall's got trust in him is the sort of way to manage your head. Um, and obviously, all's well that ends well because we we got the win and your head was was really good on Saturday. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Heather. Aesthetically, I don't think it's a it's not a great one. But anyway, positives to discuss. Um, a three 0 win. David, were we actually any good though on Saturday? Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we definitely had something a bit more about us. As I've mentioned, it was a more attacking formation, and we definitely looked going forward like we had a bit more to us and we weren't just tippy tapping the ball about trying to get it in the perfect position to try and get the shot off or whatever there was some really some really really good things I mean we'll get to Milne in a wee bit but like his clearance and stuff like that you could clearly see how much it meant to them trying to get that clean sheet and just absolutely putting it out of sight I think our broth were absolutely stinking and just did not really offer anything dare I say I think they were worse than Morton in the five now, they just look so bereft of ideas. And like we have been a, a club for the last five, six weeks who have been bereft of ideas. And compared to our growth, we looked great. So I think a, a part of it is that we did play better than we had and we were more on the front foot. But as well as that, we were really saved. Put it this way, if we were up against, say, Air or even like a QP or something like that, I don't know necessarily if we put in that exact performance, whether we would be saying it's like, I know, an all-timer performance, but, you, you know, the, the result doesn't lie. We won 3-0, and, like, there's only so much of that you can put down to our both being rubbish. Like, we clearly done something right, and it was definitely a big improvement. Yeah, just a quick word on our both before we go back to, to Thistle. I agree with you, David. I thought they were sort of really poor. I think they've been poor in all three games we've had against them this season. They've obviously lost... A lot of key players. I think a lot of their success last season came from 
from strikers that they'd had on loan. So they'd Newbley and Dowds initially, and then it was Jack Hamilton, and all three of them did well for them. I think they've lost is it Hamilton in the midfield, and they've lost a few at the start of this season as well. And I think they could maybe have afforded to lose one or two, but they've maybe just lost too many from last season. And I, they do look a, a poor side this, t- this time round. Reese, what about you? What did you make of Thistle's performance at the weekend? I just before I, I touch on Thistle, I just want to say I completely agree with what you're saying about Arbroath. It's, they they don't look at all like the side that they were last year. As, as David's touched on, they didn't really bother us at all at the weekend. And, and as you say, they lost Chris Hamilton in the middle, they lost Nicky Lowe, and they've replaced them with like really good technical footballers and Scott Allen, Bell and Tate. But they're not suited to the way that Arbroath play. They're not going to dig in. They're not going to be rats in midfield. But So maybe that's where their downfall, their downfall might lie. And of course, they're, they're starting championship games with Dale Hilson up front, which which is a recipe for disaster on its own. But on to Fissel, were we any good? I and no, because we got the job done. But to be honest, we weren't that great. Um, I think the difference being Brian Graham. Brian Graham sets the standards. You've you seen him screaming his head off at the players when they were giving him a slack pass. And that's missing when you play Dowds or, or Mullen. Like, it just sets the tempo and it sets, sets how we should be playing. Um, and you see his goal. That's just a Brian Graham finish. No other player on the team scores a goal like that when it flicks in off his knee and he runs away celebrating as if he scored a 40-yard winner in the 90th minute. But that's just... The, the edge that Graham gives you, you can't really buy that in a player. It's just the knack of finding finding the net. Um, and, a, and another point which sort of points to how we got the job, we weren't great. I think Kel Turner's been been really quite consistent for us all season, and I've seen him play brilliant games for us, and we've we've lost or we've not got the win. But at the weekend, there I thought it was it was fine, it was good. But he walked away with two goals, uh, sorry, two assists and a goal. And I don't really think it was spectacular, but you can't begrudge that at all. That's that's a great sort of great takeaway for the game. So I we got the job done. With some some very good standout performances for you, the likes of Harry Milne, who's just excellent every week. Um, and Sneddon had a quiet, a very very quiet afternoon. So it's good for him to get a clean sheet and hopefully he can build on that. So there's there's definitely positives to take. And I think it was a must win game, and it's, it sort of came at a good time now because we obviously go into Kelty. And then we've got Cove away. And if we can, I think McCall touched on it in his, po- his post-match. If you go into that, you stop talking about a, a losing streak and you can potentially look at a, a winning streak moving forward. So, I things are looking more positive. Turner was one of my notes, actually, to bring up Resort. I'll speak about him now while you've mentioned him. I actually thought it was like one of Turner's poorer games all round. But as you say, with the, the two assists and a goal, would you rather he played a sort of eight or nine out of ten and didn't get those sort of goal contributions or would you rather he was more like a 6 out of 10 like I thought he probably was out with the goals but he, he's, he's got a hand in all three goals you obviously picked the three goals once Turner I thought was quite frustrating on Saturday um, I actually thought the midfield in general was quite frustrating until Bannigan came on I thought Bannigan's introduction was key which I know we're probably going to speak about but it's it's really good that Turner's getting in amongst the goals um, because we've probably had midfielders in the past that would put in a frustrating performance and it would that would amount to nothing but at least with Turner, it was frustrating, but he's, he's got three goals at the end of it, and you'd, you'd pick that every day of the week. Heather, what about you? What did you think of the performance? I think overall, the first half was very poor on both on both states, on, you know, on, for both teams. The goal was, it was, a, it was a good time to get the goal, and I think it settled a few nerves as well, I think. The, you know, after the first wee while, and some people were like, oh gosh, how is this going to go? And... Um, 
you know, it was great to be standing up and celebrating a goal and it not being a consolation. We started to get into better positions as the game went on. I thought we were good in spells, obviously, with the uh, at half time being able to bring on Tiffany later on and also um, Bannigan. I think that did, um, you know, add to the performance and gave a bit of a boost for this, you know, for the, the games ahead. If these people are back to full fitness, that, you know, we could be back to having, a, um, you know, our McCall's first team out over the next wee while. I think overall, just to get a clean sheet after what's happened in the last month with the amount of goals that we have let in, you know, that can't go unnoticed and uncelebrated. Uh, well, cre- you know, credit to Jamie Sneddon, but also that clearance that Harry Milne made. I mean, people celebrated that more than more than the goals. And it was absolutely fantastic. And it was just great to see after watching your team for the last month be so disjointed at some points, quite moany towards each other just before the game. Actually, it was it Friday night when Harry Milne was on STV News and he was talking about the fact that like everyone's been quite frank and honest and been a bit aggressive towards each other in the changing room in a good way and speaking truths. It was actually good to see them having fun and enjoying the football out on, on Saturday. And, you know, I'm never going to criticise a win. It was just, it was great. And I just hope that we can improve from it and that that will give us confidence. I agree, Heather. I, I don't think Jimmy Stead had much to do on Saturday. He did come and claim a, a few decent crosses. I think it just looks a lot calmer back there when he's there. And I know there's some Thistle fans that are still unconvinced by him, but I, I think when you compare... Even just the sort of the body language when crosses are in the box to the defence when you compare it to Mitchell, I think everything just looks a lot calmer back there. Um, I thought the back four had a good game again. Well, not again. Uh, the back four sort of did turn around their fortunes. I was going to say I thought Brownlee had a good game again. Um, and I, we spoke about the Morton game sort of suiting Brownlee. I think that our both game suited them as well. I'd be more concerned about Brownlee when we go into to the Celtic game, because I think that'll be a bit more technical, there'll be a bit more pace running at the back four, so that's maybe going to be a test of where Brownlee's at, because as good as it has been, um, I think the games have suited him. Another member of the back four that I think we're going to praise quite a lot, Harry Milne. Reese, just how good was he on Saturday? Ah, he's, he's a different level. Even the games that we've not been good in this, this season, and, and that bad run, Harry Milne has still been a standout. He's he's just consistent in basically all aspects of his game. He's he's good defensively, he's good going forward, he's good aerially, he's strong, he's quite like, he genuinely does have pretty much it all. So it is it is pretty mad that he's sort of making this sort of meteoric rise, so to speak, through the leagues at uh not not a an old age by any stretch of imagination, but twenty six is not exactly young either. So he it's one one of the ones that we've just kind of unearthed a gem so uh, it really is a pleasure to watch him play for Thistle and I know he's got another year on his deal but you're almost sort of thinking if we don't go up this year he's going up regardless so and you you couldn't begrudge him that either because he has been that good so uh, his performance at the weekend just epitomised it and I'm happy for him as well to sort of get that goal that contributed to a win because I I did feel I I felt gutted for him after the Dundee game because he gave us everything and and obviously ended up on the losing side, which he didn't deserve. So for him to get that goal in a victory, and then to even better that as well with that goal in clearance, which is just 
it's, it's ridiculous. He's got no right to sort of clear that off the line. The ball's flying in the top corner, and he's made a, a diving header to get it off the line. It's probably the best goal in clearance I've seen. So I and and you see his celebration. He get he actually celebrated the clearance more than he celebrated the goal. So honestly, I, I he's a player that sort of wears his wears his heart in his sleeve, and, and I, I buy right into that. So I, he's been he's been a brilliant summer signing. Just to put in there, um, Reese, I heard that I heard at hospitality that he, I obviously was, I think was he, I think he was man of the match, or at least he was up there chatting with people, and he said something, you know, the classic interview, you know, I'm not going anywhere soon, you know, I love it here, I love my time at the club, so I mean, he's he's feeding the fans what they want to hear, and we absolutely love him, he's he's fantastic. Well, that was going to be my question to you, David. How are you going to mourn the loss of Harry Mellon when we sell him to Aberdeen in January? Oh, Christ, don't. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's it's that crudding all over again, isn't it? If it better, arguable better. I have a I have a, a controversial take. I want to say about the Milne, um, the Milne clearance. I think they worked on that in the training ground. No, no. No, no, no you talk, can see... No. Is Milne is already getting ready to go for that before the ball is hit? Because it's, it's Bobby Lynn, isn't it, that hits the shot? And Bobby Lynn has scored countless goals from that sort of range. They, like he is ready to clear that before Lynn hits the ball. Like it's it makes it even more unbelievable. But yeah, I honestly think that Milne was knew that Lynn was going to do that and prepared himself, which makes it even more astounding if that is the case. Oh, no, it's an unreal header. Aye, he's definitely prepared himself. I think it's just really good defensive instinct. There's no way they're doing drills in the training ground where it's right. If a winger cuts inside, Bobby you, duck shots <laughs> you duck back onto the line. Nah, there's none of that. But nah, it's really good defensive um, instinct from Milton. I think he's he's got everything you want in a fullback. He's defensively, I think, pretty sound. Attackingly, he's brilliant. Um, I think in the first couple of months of the season, he was maybe struggling a bit to to get up to speed with full-time football. I think towards the end of the games, he was struggling and maybe dying out of them. But I think in the last month or so, he's really maybe going back to a game a week for us and Milne getting a full week in training every week has helped him. He's been strong for like 90 minutes in games now for a month, six weeks. Heather, we've had a lot of good fullbacks in the last 10, 15 years at the club. Where do you think Milne rates and amongst some of them? Well, I... I was going to touch on what you've just said about the fact that he can defend well. And I think, I mean, it's the classic thing of modern day football with the fact that, you know, people that play in the position that Harry Milne does are often okay defenders, but it's all about what's going, you know, them going up front, what they can offer in terms of crosses and assists and goals. And the thing I love about Harry Milne is the way that he tackles people. Uh, you know he like hooks his legs round, takes the defender down or whoever's coming towards him but also gets the ball himself I just think that's absolutely brilliant I mean obviously we're all a sucker for that 2012 you know season where we were spoiled with Sod and Aaron Taylor Sinclair but I think if Harry Milne has the season that he deserves to have that he is I would say probably technically overall better than both of them. Reese, strike man. Uh just just as you were you're touching on there, so you say we always have we always are pretty lucky when it comes to the sort of full backs and and even when the team hasn't been great, like you look at James Penrice who 
was a good, good it was a good fullback, let's be honest, and a good young young player. Um, he's gone on to play in the Premiership with Livingston. So, but I just think Milne's a different level, and I, I just want to touch on as well. Uh, I, I tweeted about it also. Like, I, I don't think you can mention Milne without mentioning just how good McMillan's been as well. So, that's just another great option on the other side because I think Milne starts this season. I think he's got three goals and I think only one assist, which is a, which is actually mental for the sort of balls that he's put in the box. I think his assist came for Dowd's header in that 4-1 win against Inverness. I don't think he's had another one. Whereas Jack McMillan's got two goals and seven assists and he leads our charts for the most assists this season, which is mental because it, it kind of goes under the radar how consistent McMillan is. Like, I think even when you, you fling him into centre-half, I think he's good almost every week. Um, and I, I think it's just an absolute pleasure to see them both. And uh, as I say, both good ages, both on two-year contracts. So honestly, just that, that that's my favourite aspect of our team this year, the fullbacks and long may it continue. I think you make a good point on McMillan, Reece, because I think when you look at Scott Tiffany last season, a lot of times we were coming on the pod and going, oh, he was getting double or triple marked out of games. This season, because we've got equal threat down both sides, teams can't do that. So if teams are, I think at the start of the season, teams perhaps were sort of thinking, right, Thistle's left, eh, they've got Tiffany and, and Milne, we'll, we'll need to look after that. And that's where McMillan was getting the joy earlier on in the season. And now that they've sort of wisened up and, and thought, oh, well, we, we can't give them that space because McMill- McMillan's just as good. We're now seeing sort of Milne coming in and sort of boosting his stats up. Uh, David, do you want to come in there? Yeah, no, I agree. Like, it's... I mean, one of the key things you're talking about, like ATS and O'Donnell, is the fact that you had the two of them there, and they they worked so well together. And I think having Milne and McMillan there, I, I knew it the second Reese put his hand up to, to say something, I knew exactly what he was going to say about we had to mention McMillan, and he's absolutely right. I think the two of them together have been fantastic. I mean, you look at last season, for example, when we had Holt at left back. Holt was brilliant at left back, um, along with Tunji and Mayo, but Milne is like a step up from him and um and McMillan and having McMillan on the right hand side last season, you know, that right hand side was such a problem for us. And yeah, I agree. Like Milne and McMillan, if we can keep them for you know, a season or two, if we go up or you know keep them you know for a season in the premiership or whatever, it's, if they have a sustained run with us, they're absolutely up there in the sort of modern day all time elevens for us, like Milne at left back, like absolutely. I mean Def, the, the, the impact they've had so far and just it's such a joy watching them and the fact they've got Tiffany and Lawless and Fitzpatrick and that in front of them you know that they're they're, they're supplying they're di- distributing to them it's it's just perfect it's absolutely perfect and yeah I I, um, I, I totally agree We'll move on then to, to a listener question and a friend of the show Mark Wallace has, has asked who made more of an impact when they came when they came on? Was it Bannigan at half time or Tiffany about an hour into the game? I'll I'll kick this one off. I, I know I've given some praise to the back four and we've talked about Mel McMillan and Snedden was good. Um I don't think it was a great team performance on Saturday. I thought the midfield in the first half were very poor. So an answer to Mark's question, I, I think Bannigan made more of a difference. I think we sort of lacked somebody just getting their foot in the ball and keeping it in the first half. Um and Bannigan really did that in, in the second, and he was winning the ball back as well. Tiffany, I don't think, looked quite ready. I think if the game was was won um, at 2 or 3 nil, he probably wouldn't have come on. He obviously got the assist, but I still don't think he looked too too sharp or anywhere near his best. Um, so, so I would say 
Bannigan made more of an impact. I don't know if anyone agrees, disagrees. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I thought, to be honest with you, I thought Tiffany probably looked about 50% fit. It looked as if he was scared to sort of bust into a sprint. And and you notice for the, the eventual assist that Tiffany got when Bannigan wins the ball back in the middle and slips him through, Tiffany's normally bombing on at that point, but it was sort of as if he was he was holding back. Um, but of course, that's as I, as I mentioned with Graham, you bring Brian Graham back into the side, and he just has that nose of scoring goals. Tiffany's got that nose as well of, of creating chances, and that just it kind of just the difference that a guy like that can bring to your team. So to be honest with you, next week when it comes to Kelty, I definitely wouldn't be starting Tiffany, and, and I don't think I'd even be bringing them on if we can sort of get the job done without him. Then, then that's what I'd be, be aiming for just to give him another week's rest because I don't think he looks ready. So I, I thought Bannigan definitely made a bit of big impact when he came on. It just sort of, sort of calmed it down in the middle of the park and brought us that, brought us the ball retention that Bannigan always does. It doesn't, doesn't lose many, many balls. So I, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if he had a, maybe got a gash in training or something, but I'm not sure about the headband that Bannigan was sporting at the weekend. Can we talk about that? Maybe a hair transplant, pre-testimonial year. Uh, that that was my initial thought. Uh, I thought he had some dope for the testimonial, but looking at photos, I'm I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure what's happening there. Wasn't he off unwell last week? Maybe he was away in Turkey or something like that, getting getting some of the pogs in for his hair transplant. Uh, it was a weird should... place for it to be, though. Mm, yeah, it was, it like, was a bit If strange. you're getting a hair transplant, you're still not getting it there. True. I do, I do enjoy the optics of Bannigan with a headband because <laughs> I associate headbands with basically mental um sort of hardened sort of captains from like the 80s and stuff like that um and i feel like bannigan is very much a, a throwback to that sort of thing so i think it worked for him it looked very weird but i was kind of like it added to his his his, his aura a little bit because because it just yeah i quite liked it Mark, uh, Matt, I definitely agree with you also i don't know if you guys remember in the second half at one point Bannigan like ran the ball out of play with someone behind him and I just love that kind of stuff like you know when we just play smart and don't make any silly decisions and you know chuck it out for a throw-in and I feel like no other midfielder in the first half had the confidence to do that and you know the confidence to actually slow down the game find the passes find the connections between the team and I thought Bannigan just came on and you know ruled the line and it was just nice to have a bit of peace on the pitch you're right. Yeah, he used to do that a lot. He used to that was used to be his like, signature move, like running the ball out of the pitch and then just at the last moment like falling over and buying a cheap free kick. And he's he's not pulled that one out for, for a wee while. So that was good to see. And uh, I think we need to mention his sort of crawling run for about fifteen yards when he played Tiffany and that was sensational stuff. I think for me with Bannigan, like we always talk about how like he's an eight out of ten every week. And even though even if we play bad, Bannigan's usually still very good and like, again, it's about the passes he's making, controlling balls, stuff like that, just kind of grinding the play down and stuff like that. Like, he, he does that so well. And it's it's he, it's the stuff that you don't notice. That's that's the stuff that really marks out Bannigan. And, yeah, um, I agree. I don't think... I think Tiffany definitely wanted a shot against Arbroath. I think he sort of smelled blood a little bit, but I don't think he was too at his best yet. But Bannigan was brilliant. You know, as as I said, I don't think it was a great uh, team performance on Saturday, but I think we had enough good individual performances in, in key areas to to get the job done. 
David, you attended the, the Thistle Women's 5-1 victory at Hamilton on Sunday. How was that? Yeah, it was it was great fun. Um, despite some weird scheduling things, which meant I nearly missed it because it was meant it nearly clashed with the World Cup. It was a good game. The Thistle Women's team, I love the way they play. They're so far. I think you can clearly tell it's a Brian Graham squad. The way they play, they get forward. They absolutely go for teams. Like it's it's brilliant to watch. You also get some of the dark arts and stuff. Like the first goal, the, the goalie came out of their box. And the lassie, well, I could get her sent off here and lobbed her, but lobbed her just enough that she could catch it. But she was clearly well out of her box and she got a straight red. Um, and then, yeah, um, they had to bring on a substitute goalkeeper. And it was just wee silly things like that where, like, you can clearly tell Brian Graham's the devil on their shoulder telling them to do these sort of things. There was one a couple of weeks ago where um, a physical player took a throw-in straight at a Murrowell player's face. Um, just absolutely scudded him in the face. And um, it was definitely something that they had been instructed to do. Well, um, sort of that very cynical edge. And the, the women's game hasn't really got that cynical edge. It is very more sanitised and sort of above board compared to the men's game. But like, I absolutely love the way they play. And they were ruthless against Hamilton. And um, yeah, they're doing really well at the moment. They're in the top, I think they're fifth at the moment. Their aim is sort of to be in the top five. Obviously, the top three are head and shoulders above everybody else. So it is very much sort of fighting for the the best of the the rest, so to speak. Um, But they're doing really, really well. They're playing on Sunday as well. Um, They've got a family fun day. They've got a whole bunch of stuff. They've got face painting. They've got beat the goalie. They get meet all the players and stuff like that. Just try to get as many families and stuff down. They're also doing some great stuff for season tickets where um, if you have a men's season ticket, you get a greatly reduced price on a season ticket there. And you also get reduced discount this week as well. Honestly, if you you have been sick of the way Fistle have played in the last six weeks, go down to the women's team because they play... They're brilliant. I really enjoy watching them. It's so much fun. Um, and yeah, it was it was a great game. And yeah, um, I I think they're just they're just brilliant at the moment. And like it's just I can't wait for the inevitable time down the line when Graham eventually gets the fistle job because I think he will be uh, he will be brilliant when he gets it. However many years down the line it will be. And it's just kind of seen that before is great. But yeah, uh, definitely get down on Sunday to Peter's Hill to see them. But yeah, just such a great team. Great stuff. Uh, since we're doing him, oh, sorry. Ah, since we're doing a shout out, I was going to give a shout out to my friend Rachel Donaldson, who plays for the team. She's had a fantastic few games, some cracking goals, and um, I think they just show exactly why women playing sport is so important and something that we should all be supporting. Absolutely. Great commitment from the Hamilton goalie to get sent off after five minutes, eh, an hour and a half before the World Cup kicks off. That's that's impressive commitment that I'm sure David, you can you as as a big World Cup stand can commend. Absolutely. We'll have a look now ahead to this Saturday. We're back at Fur Hill in Scottish Cup action against Kelty Hearts, who are littered with ex Jags, so you know big banana skin potential. Uh, Reese, what changes, if any, would you like to see made to the, the team for Saturday's game? Uh, to be honest, I don't think we can afford to to be making any changes. We can maybe change one or two, um, just for for freshness. But when you, when you're winning a game, especially on the back of such a such a poor run of form, you want to just keep the momentum going. And personally, I'd, I'd kind of keep it the same um, and try and build a bit of momentum. So 
I, I wouldn't make too many changes. In terms of Kelty, I think Kelty might have just reached their ceiling because I know it's always been like they've been they've been well backed um, and they had basically a championship squad in League Two. I don't think they've added too much uh, for their for their campaign in League One, and I don't think they've been been having the best of seasons to be honest. But as you mentioned, for the Jags, who will be looking to sort of go out and put in a good performance, the likes of Higgy, Joe Cardo. Even Jamie Barjonas is actually probably their best player. You've got Tamil Ware in the team. Um, and I, I'm sure there's a whole host of others that I'm actually missing out because there's that many of them. But it's a game that I'm kind of looking forward to. We've played them, I think it's twice now in the last couple of seasons, just in, in pre-season friendlies. And, and they've been good games as well. Um, even the one this season where we kind of fielded a, a reserve squad with a few of the young boys playing and James Lyons got, got the winner. So I, I'm looking forward to it in Scottish Cup weekend. So... You try, you try and bring the the magic of the cup as as I know I know Heather hates that saying, but it's it's one of the ones you, you kind of look forward to. It's, it's Christmas time and hopefully we get to hear uh, this year's rendition of the Twelve Years Archie get a, get a wee debut. So uh, nice to go into a game on the back of a win, hoping to build on it. Absolutely, Heather. What about you? Any changes? Maybe guys like Cammy Smith can back into the side if I run it. You're just I think taking you guys are just blanking me up, aren't you? Like, this is abs. I think I might just leave. <laughs> no, I actually genuinely was going to say that I like, maybe it would be the time to to allow some of our other... I, th- I mean, I know we spoke about how brilliant Graham was and it was just absolutely fantastic to have him back. And I do think that was one of the main reasons that we won on Saturday. I also do think that Dowds took his goal very well against Morton and potentially if Brian Graham is not fully fit... Do we give Dowds a bit more time, another another star, or at least a little bit more time? That's one one thing that I that I'd maybe question. Um, I'll just be interested to see. I think this is going to be. I think they're going to be right up for it. I was seeing just on the table that they're eighth, but they have had a few quite good results and a, and then a, and a few you know very tight losses as well. Um, I think it's all to play for. I think form just goes out the window, and it will just be who can play and and take the chances. I you know I think Snedden might be quite busy. I, I think Dowds is an interesting one. I wouldn't mind seeing Dowds and Graham play, and I know you might need to to wiggle the shape of it a bit for that. But I think now when the midfield's looking a little bit light, it's probably the time to do that. McKinnon's out of form. Obviously, Dockery's unavailable. I don't see Hodson as a long-term solution in there, so maybe you could sort of wiggle it about to a midfield to a Bannigan and Turner and, and get Dowds up there with Graham, because I was saying last week as well, Dowds, for all his physical attributes, I would say at the moment is more of a, a sort of poacher and a finisher, and a guy that can sort of stretch the game with his pace than, than a, an out-and-out target man, maybe a little bit more like Graham is, so the two of them I think could be an interesting an interesting combination, but I agree with you, Risa. I wouldn't be looking to make too many changes. I think it's important to to build on the sort of foundations and sort of get a bit of confidence in the guys that did that did play, especially at the back on Saturday. Do you want to come back Matt, on? Ruth? Can I ask a question for maybe some of someone who's a good um at stats or pays attention to these things more than me? Cammy Smith obviously didn't come on at all on Saturday, and we won. Did every other loss that we had in the, or in the last wee while, did Cammy Smith come on for every single one? That is my question. Right, we played every I'll... game last season, so that straight away that is out. Yeah, this is horrible. Uh, yeah, this is this is brilliant. I'll let Reese come in and I'll look that up. I don't know if he played every game. I've not got an answer for that, but 
I completely forgot about Cammy Smith. This is a game for Cammy Smith to get himself in the shot window because, as we've mentioned, Kelty Hearts is a place where all Thistle players go to die. So maybe we can maybe come to an agreement in January. See maybe Cammy Smith go to Kelty. Who knows? Maybe it's what he's needing in his career. But in all seriousness, Cammy Smith. I'm about to to back him again. He's reaching 60 appearances. He's still got one goal, but he must have something to offer. There's a place for Cammy Smith. There's a place for a player like Cammy Smith in our squad who can carry the ball and like to play with the midfield and the strikers. But I don't know if Cammy Smith is that guy. But it's one of the ones, isn't it? So maybe maybe this is his last chance. If he can do something against Kelty, then we can maybe sort my wee transfer. David. I mean, I mean, I know we've just won, right? But, and I've said for weeks, if we lose this game, McCall is sacked, right? And I still believe that. Because it is it is fundamentally affecting the club if we lose this, because we will lose out on the prize money and the inevitable Celtic away game that we'll get. So it will actually cost us money. There are so many. This is pretty much we're about two players away from, from seeing the Banzo testimonial about a year early. I saw Kelly Hearts this season. They played against FC Edinburgh. They were not very good. But, I mean, let's remember, like, beyond Saturday, we were quite rank. We do have players coming back. But um, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, to be honest. I know it's sort of a good confidence builder if we win it. If we win it is the, the key thing there. Um, we should be beating them. They're not in great form, but we should have been beating Cove when we drew two each. We should have been winning other games and stuff like that. I, I mean, if you if you chose me, told me who do you want to score, if we had to get beat, it's probably going to be Higginbottom. It will be Jamie Barjonas who scores the winner if if we lose. And I know this would be a sort of mainly po- like sort of optimistic podcasts about the turnaround and stuff I am shit scared of this game um, it's it just feels like such like you can see the banana skin from about three miles away and um, yeah um, but we have one so who knows who, who am I to you know cast out on this team but absolutely so I was going to say, to answer your question, Heather, uh, Smith did not appear in the air or Dundee defeats, although we did score a couple of goals in each of them. So so maybe you have a point. But um, Reese, I, I just want to come in on what David was saying there. I agree with what you're saying regarding sort of McCall's job at the minute. I think, I said that before the weekend, like he's got Arbroath, Kelty and Cove in the next three. We can't afford to lose any of those three games. If he loses any of those three games, then I think realistically he should go you're not in my mind you're not allowed to lose any of those games you must pick up both wins in the league and progress in the cup or else it is curtains realistically it's three games that you should win um, if we do have ambitions to sort of going on a cup run again and, and getting to where we want to be in the league so I, as David mentioned it is, a, it is a real banana skin for McCall and he'll know that himself so I don't think that he'll be he'll be he'll be under no illusions he'll not be thrown in Ben Stanway and Xander McKenzie and James Lyons from the start absolutely not so I think it'll be a strong strong team from us Heather and um, one thing I would know is that obviously Hingbotham is very popular among the Thistle fans 
I can't actually remember if he's played against us since, but I feel like he might get quite a positive response. And when we had him and we played against Motherwell and he scored those goals and obviously he was quite wound up. And it, it, I mean, his the goals he scored there were incredible. But, you know, one of the reasons he was quite wound up was because of the, the response he got and quite the negative reaction from the fans. So I wonder if we if the fans on Saturday give him quite a positive response, does he then not get wound up and then has a bit of a mediocre performance? That's just uh, another, um, you know, another guess from me. Higginbottom has played against us, I think, since for Kilmarnock and Dunfermline. Uh, we were speaking last night, obviously, to you and Ian, Heather, about uh, I'd be <laughs> more concerned about guys that have been like released or, or let go by McCall, because I think they'll come with a point to prove. So you look at Cardle and Aware, and even Bob Jonas so, like, didn't have a good loan spell here with McCall, but I look at Cardle and Aware, and Cardle was one of, he was like a real 50-50 at the end of the League One campaign about whether he'd get a new deal or not, and we probably could have done with him at points last season. And he obviously had a good season at Kelty. And I, I think his time was running out at Thistle. He probably wouldn't be here now, even if he stayed last season. But I think he's one that will come with a real point to prove. Aware as well, we know about his injury problems. But I, I think he'll be right up for it as well. And we know he's no stranger to, to celebrating uh, right up against his, his former team's fans. David, do you want to kick us off with a prediction? Oh, my God. Um <sighs> I mean, I am quite excited just to see Callum Higginbottom. I'm not going to lie. Callum Higginbottom is the... the everyone, everyone's favourite player is obviously Doolan, right? But I think your 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 other favourite player for a lot of people was Higginbottom. He was the one that got a lot of people through the door um, at the time. Uh, are you going to go in the Kelly then? Because you're like, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Higginbottom. I, I, if, if we lose, I hope Higginbottom scores... What what end are you going to Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll be putting Kelly to win and Higginbottom may score at like four thousand to one, no doubt. But um, no, like I think it will be it will be a very tight game. I think tighter than it has any right to be. But I I think it's going to be two one Thistle. Is there extra time or is there? It's extra time, no. isn't there? No replays. Oh, I think there's replays. It's the Scottish Cup, so I think they'll be replays. No, no, I think they get yeah. rid of replays. Right. So I'll be Glasgow Uni went to extra time oh, last year. So it did. Um, 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 yeah, so I'll, I'll back go 2-1 you. Thistle. I'll back you up, David. I'll go 2-1 as well. Uh, I, I mentioned about uh, Brownlee. I think I'd be a little bit more concerned about, about him with your head with sort of Kelty's probably slightly more technical attack than we've faced in recent weeks so I would maybe fear for the back four a little bit but I still think as as we've spoken about I think as you've mentioned Reese, Kelly haven't looked great this season I think an ex-drag will probably score but I think we'll sort of take the confidence from, from Saturday and get a couple ourselves so I'll go 2-1 as well. Uh, Reese, what about you you've you've fallen a point behind in the predictions with your your pessimistic 1-1 on Saturday what are you going to go for this weekend? Aye so um, I've seen I've watched Kelly play a couple of times this season Um and I, as I mentioned, I think they've kind of reached a ceiling. Um, and I spoke to someone who was at the the Banzo testimonial, and they said they were speaking to Tamawera, and they were saying, "Oh, you're definitely going to beat us next week." And Tamawera's response was, "No, nah, no, you're not. You've not seen us this season." So that that t- maybe tells you everything you need to know. But I, I think I think Aware's carrying an ox. So I'm, I'm not expecting to see him at the weekend. 
but I'll go three 0 this. So I think we've got enough in the tank uh, to to get this one done, especially off the back of wins. So three uh, 0 again, back to back three 0 wins. And Heather, we'll need to incorporate you into the next predictions table. We do Heather, but but just for fun for now. Yeah, I've started. I'm just deciding that I'm just going to return wild results. So I'm going to go five two thistle. That's fair enough. Um, there was a 6-2 in the World Cup today um, that we're recording on Monday night. We've, we've watched four games, I think, now. Uh, David, you're probably the biggest World Cup stand here. Um, are you enjoying it? And who's your tip Who's your tip to win? Absolutely not. It's been fucking boring as hell. Oh, it has been dreadful, man. England winning 6-2. Just the, the worst time. None of the stadium sound anyway infused. Um, you know, horrible stuff around it. It's been quite rubbish. Um, I am a sort of you know England group stage exit from fully getting on the World Cup train to be honest but I don't know if that's happening we need a madcap game we need like a 5-4 with like three on goals we basically need that QP game at Hamden to happen really remember that Euros last time where it was the Monday where it took like two of the greatest Euros games in history on the same day we need something like that and I don't think we're going to get it I think Brazil are going to win this. They're going to win every game 3-0. No one will lay a glove on them. It'll be boring as hell. Um, Qatar will claim it's a triumph for the Middle East and for football as a whole. I will be bored of my nut. The world will keep turning. Reese, who's your tip? I, uh, I fancy Brazil this year as well. That's that's who I'm backing. Uh, I do think there'll be, there'll be a couple of teams who, who fancy their chances, but I think Brazil have a, a really good squad. And, I, and I'm, that's who I'm most looking forward to seeing this year, I just think got a lot of exciting players and good sort of camaraderie in that team and it's, it's the World Cup, it's Brazil that's that's the, the team that you always want to see do well so I, I'm looking forward to seeing them Heather? I really haven't got into it especially because it's on at such rubbish times I'm at work and it's, yeah uh, it's not it's, it's really a no for me um, I guess I'll support Belgium purely because of their colours that feels like the Thistle team that's in there. So, yeah, I'll go Belgium. Good call. Uh, Brazil are the only team uh, I've got money on. I've uh, got a lot of good uh, right-wingers in our team, uh, if you get what I'm saying. Uh, but I think they do have the strongest the strongest 11. It'll probably be very boring. I think it's probably between them and Argentina. Um, I think they're due to meet in the semis. So, I think whoever wins that will probably, probably win. But uh, I don't think football will be the real winner at this World Cup, which is a shame. I, I would also echo Heather's support for Belgium. Best friend from school lives in Belgium. It's a lovely country. Just absolutely love the place. And yeah, they, they should they should probably win something. Uh, we'll finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle. I'm going to ask you all, what is something that you have made up or lied about for absolutely no reason? Uh, David, you normally have the, the juiciest stories, so I'll come to you first and let the others have a think. I remember I went to a work night out once, um, and people were just, you know, you know, you sort of you're you're pissed in the pub or whatever, and people go like, oh, they say like, what's it? What's a tale that you wouldn't believe and stuff like that? Um, you know, like people doing some mad stories and stuff like that, and for some reason, because I was quite pissed, I was like, why well, I was on a dancing in the moonlight by Top Loader. Um, my, uh, my dad's a session musician. He plays bass, and um. He he done the bass on it, and because I was there, um, he got me to. I was like, there's like some percussion or something in the background, like sort of hand claps and stuff like that, and I I'm on it, and I get a royalty check every year for it, 
Um, it's not much. It's like five quid a year or whatever. But I, I get it through the door. Absolute nonsense. But I, I convinced everybody in my work that I was on this. Um, and then it just kind of became a, a, a fun thing for me every so often where I would just say it. And people are like, really? I, oh, you must be raking it. No, only like six quid a year. But, you know, it's 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 a living. Um, but I it's kind of spiraled out of control and I do that every so often. Now, usually when I've been in the pub, it's quite fun. Very good. The reason I asked this question, I was at, um, you know, Johnny from Astag, David, one of my mates. Uh, it was his girlfriend's 25th on on Saturday night and I was there and her parents and her sister were up and I got talking to her dad and I was, just, I, I was talking about football and stuff and then I was talking about Johnny and I was like I've known Johnny since I was five and then like you'd had a few pints you know how you just say something and it's out your mouth before you like what have I just said like, has Johnny ever shown you his cured meat selection <laughs> so, <laughs> this guy has got like no interest or association with cured meats and before I knew it I was in front of like his future in-laws, like his future mother, father and sister and all going, have you ever seen Dexter? You know how like he collects the blood slides? Well, Johnny's got like a box of about 80 vacuum packed cured hams. You, sh- you should ask him about it and he'll, he'll show you and stuff. And the guy's got like no cured hams, like, like no interest. So that that is why I have asked this question. I, I, you know that we just say something and you're like, why have I said that? Heather, Reese. Um... Yeah, I asked some of my friends this question, actually. Um, not to try and like, toot my own trumpet in any way, but I'm quite an honest person. I think it comes from having a um, a father who is a trained minister. Uh, lies don't really come very naturally to me, and I'm, a, I'm terrible at it. Um, but I did ask for some, friend, some friends' advice for this. So I had a few. Um, my flatmate from uni said that a uh, one of the one of the ones was that I lied and said that I could cook before I left left home so that was quite a sore one a uh, I also used to I don't have any cousins and I used to just make up cousins that I had and names and lives for them just because you know why not it seemed like the coolest thing to do but there was also one story that kind of came into mind just as David told um his so um my best friend, one of my other flatmates at uni, her mum is a Lib Dem MP and we were at her 21st birthday and I go, I got talking to Joe Swinson, is that her name, Joe Swindon, the the Lib oh, Dem person? She's my local MP. I yeah. think it's Reese's as well. Yeah, yeah that, so I got talking to her yeah. and she, we got on to talking about Boots Advantage cards don't know why and she asked me if really early on if I had one and I just lied and said yes and you know we were t- we were there for about 30 minutes talking about it and I felt like such a fraud because I'd never had one I've used my mum's once but yeah so I guess that's my biggest one I don't know why that Joe really wants to talk about Boots Advantage cards it was a rocking 21st. <laughs> Reese, you got anything for this one? Uh, <laughs> um similar to what Heather was saying about um I feel like I've got a good moral compass I don't really lie about stuff like especially the small stuff like the stuff that I would lie about is stuff that that I can't even mention on air do you know what I mean but um I remember one 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 that was kind of funny was uh my pal Calm like he, he was just talking to a bird on like Tinder ages and ages ago and a few of us were just running his flat and they invited like um invited this bird round and she brought like her pals as well right but like her pals were like into indie music and stuff and like none of my pals listen to indie music I don't listen to indie music but they kept talking about it 
And I'm a chameleon. I feel I can adapt to any situation. So I just started listing off Oris Indy shit. Like, I don't even have a clue what I was talking about, but I know enough to get myself by. And I was dropping, name dropping like indie clubs in Glasgow and that. And by the end of it, these lassies were convinced that I was knew all this indie stuff. And I was just living a lie, mate. I was actually fraud my way to the, <laughs> the top. But uh, I thought like that's funny. Just like we daft things like that. Um, Speaking of um, the daft, daft pals and lying, um, I'm going to give a shout out to my pal Jack who went away. He plays like trading card games and he's very good at it. And he go plays in like tournaments and stuff like that. And he went away to London for the weekend. And um, he was single and he was matching uh, girls in Tinder. And um, it was just sort of like a one-night stand sort of thing. And he just made up a completely different persona about himself, about like how he... It was during like the Queen's funeral as well. So he said he was like an ambassador from Gibraltar and stuff like that. And um, he was like researching like sort of the mayor of Gibraltar and stuff like that and all this stuff. And like had um, he put so much effort in this. Any, anything that you, you threw at him about it, he, he had an answer for it. So... Um, but yeah, Jack Chapel, attaché to the mayor of Gibraltar, his name Christopher Santos. Do not call him Chris. He does not like being called Chris whatsoever. Um, but yeah, that, I love that. When I asked this question, I really did not expect exploited the Queen's death for sex to be one of the answers. But here we are. <laughs> Just one before we move and keep it on Fissel and, and weird stuff like that again. See, when you said your pal pretend to be someone, have you ever heard the story about Robbie Williams was talking to like an Australian supermodel or something and he pretended to be a, the Fissel manager or a Fissel fan or something like that. Have you ever heard that? Was a, go, I've heard of this uh, before. Uh, go, and, go and Google it, mate. We're on Google. I, I, I Googled it just there quickly. So I've, I've not clicked on it, but it just says Robbie Williams would then it was an Austrian actress by pretending to be the boss of Partick Fissel. The singer used the bizarre chat line to impress and then I've caveat clicking on it. But you know how shit like that's mad? <laughs> pretty sure we sent him a signed shot afterwards or like a trackie or something like that afterwards and we made the papers uh, we will leave it there this week on draw lose or draw as always thank you very much for joining us and we will be back next week to look ahead to the trip to cove in the meantime stay safe